Welcome to the seventh episode of View from the Black Cab, the Apprentice podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me as always is my fellow Brit who would never tell little white lies just to sell a paddleboard, Anthony Williams. Good evening. Are you into water sports at all? I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I'm completely not into water sports, but I I have done wakeboarding. Yeah, I did some uh, some wakeboarding as a freebie in the Salford Keys, and it was a little bit nippy. I would imagine it is in Salford Keys. What was that? Mid August, March. Yeah, oh God, you're a braver man than I. It was actually a surprisingly warm day at ten degrees. <laughs> yeah, right. Whatever. <laughs> warm for Salford. Do they do um, apres wakeboarding? That would be the bit I'd get there for. They do not at that water sports centre. They were training up new uh, new instructors, so they needed people to come down for free and... Fall in the water. Yeah, volunteer to fall in the water, basically. Well, we've got some fish cushions then. If you're not into water sports, we've got some fish cushions. It's all right. So we both enjoyed The Apprentice again, and we were back on the live tweet game this week. Yeah, a little bit of live tweeting this week. It is quite tricky to live tweet it when it's a good episode. You almost want a bit of a dull few moments just so you can get a few tweets in. But I I enjoyed it thoroughly yet again. It's almost as difficult to live tweet as it is to actually write my notes because I'm constantly behind on the notes. Yeah, as I said, I never try on the first attempt. I always try and uh, have a second watch and get them that time. Oh, I don't have the time for that. I I don't work from home, as you call it, in inverted commas. So previously, the teams were tasked with finding nine items for the lowest price around London at night. Trishnet switched to Nebulous and assumed the role of project manager, despite Hunter Rebecca previously volunteering in the boardroom. Trishnet came up with a plan, thanks to her local knowledge and with Paul as sub-team leader. On Titans, Courtney volunteered and floundered, but for the second week on the chart, was saved by his team somehow dominating the task. Nebulous broke the record by losing yet another task, making it six in a row. And Trishna blamed Safian in the boardroom, but it was Hunter Rebecca whose time on the run was over. And then had a marvellous year fired, and I miss her already. I think she would have been good this week, actually. Are you aware of um, the Radio 1 interview for the Apprentice Fireys? No, didn't know they did exit interviews. Yeah, it's the elevator pitch. Basically... Radio One's on the eighth floor of the uh, of BBC Broadcasting House. So the person or people who are fired have the time it takes for, for the lift to go from the ground floor to the eighth floor to convince Scott Mills either not to do something or to do something. Hunter Rebecca's was to give up wine. Good luck with that one, then. Yeah, she just started chuddering on about it containing cat wee. Okay. If Scott is suitably convinced, he lets them into the uh, the studio for a full exit interview. Otherwise, they go straight back down. Surprisingly, she went straight back down. And she was like, oh, I expected it because, you know, I like wine as well. Uh, so it is a 5 a.m. wake up call and it's Jessica who gets it. Yeah, and they really need to get simpler phones in that house because she struggled as well. So it, it wasn't just Kartik. She couldn't find out how to answer a call either. To be fair, she was probably bouncing off the walls. So, you know, that's probably the reason she couldn't work it out because she was just too hyper at that time in the morning. Yeah, that's true. Just too excited. The phone's ringing. We've got stuff to do. It's great. Oh! It might be me, Dad. <laughs> I've got you some cigars. Dad, I've got you some cigars. They're only a fiver. 
So Sugar summons them to a yacht hotel at the Royal Victoria Docks, and they are also told to bring an overnight bag, because they're going somewhere exotic. Ooh, where are they going? Could it be Jamaica? Could it be the Bahamas? Yes, previous international locations, Dubai, New York, Morocco, Pool. And did you notice that Alana also thought that Francis was going to win the task? Yeah, she was like, this is the week, woohoo! Despite the fact that they are on opposite teams, Alana don't root for your enemies. Yeah, I don't think she quite thought that through, did she? <laughs> You're definitely going to win it this week. Fra- oh, hang on a minute. And the teams must sell products at the boat showing pool, picking a high-end item, a medium-ticket item, and two low-ticket items. The team who makes the most money will win. In the losing team, let's be honest, it'll be nebulous. At least one person will be fired. It was an interesting setup. It, it, it looked all glamorous and, oh, great, we're going to be selling yachts, and then they end up in Pool Harbour, and it is horrible. It is freezing. And you know how I know it's freezing? Because it's the British seaside. Of course it's cold. Yeah, of course, but but that did look pretty extreme. When there's umbrellas going inside out, you know that that's pretty rough. I bet producers were loving that. Oh, it's perfect, isn't it? It's absolutely the best thing for them because it's just the ultimate leveller, isn't it? <laughs> you know, there's no one to sell to because everyone's just hiding from the rain. What are you going to do about it? If it had been a lovely day, it would have been a really boring task, I bet. It would have been hilarious for them to both sell like 200 quid each and Sugar be really, really disappointed. You won by 20 pounds. You got 200 pounds worth of stuff. Well done. I'm not sure you deserve a reward, but here it is anyway. Well done, you sold three fish. And Sugar volunteers Francis as she's not won a single task and she's the only person on that team not to be project manager. And also Karthik as he's a salesman to be project managers for their respective teams. Yeah, as we thought was going to happen, um, Francis had to get it this week, and Kartik seemed a logical choice too. Instead of Dylan, who is useless. <laughs> he's pretty. He's useless, but he's very nice. I am technically useless. I'm useless, but I'm lovely. You remind me of a little useless Louis Walsh. That is Louis Walsh. Oh, bless him, he gave it a good go this week. You can't fault a man for trying. Well, Sugar did warn him. Dylan, I want you to sell stuff. Yeah, and he almost did. He did everything except the actual selling bit. It was close. By I want you to sell stuff, I mean £40. By, by sell, I mean actually take the cash out of her hand, put it somewhere safe, not just shake your hand. That's not, that's not selling, Dylan. So... Karthik has experience in being project manager because he project managed his son's conception and can tell you exactly when and where it happened. Only Karthik. Only Karthik could think that that's the example to tell that makes me a good PM. Really? I'd like to think that that was a pre-season confessional, but I'm not sure it was. Nothing would surprise me at this stage from this guy. Nothing. He mellowed during the process, but probably not enough. He, he mellowed, but was still pretty out there. He had three buttons undone on your fired. I know, Mr. Casual. And his shirt was just slightly too short. It was just a little bit off. 
And on Karthik's team, Samuel has experience in selling high-end items, so the logical thing to do is not let him anywhere near the high-end items. Yeah, that did baffle me. He had so many opportunities to change his mind. It was like, I don't know, it just, no, no, it's going to be Gronje and Courtney, that's it. I'm not changing my mind, even though everyone in the universe can see this is what you should be doing. Weird, weird decision. Do you not think that it makes a slight bit of sense because Samuel didn't even volunteer? Yeah, but Samuel hasn't volunteered for anything ever for seven weeks. So he did say, yes, I sell expensive stuff. He sells top-end cars, doesn't he? I can side with Kartik a little bit over the fact that Samuel had no passion whatsoever for doing it. So if he doesn't have any passion and Gronier and Courtney show loads of passion... It might be a good point to give them a chance. Yeah, I can kind of get the logic, but if you've got someone who's experienced at selling high-end, then why would you not give them a go? It worked out so well for him. How can we possibly criticise that one? And as a project manager, Kartik dithers, but he does end up sending Gronje and Courtney to the high-end items, much to the disapproval of Claude. Yes, Claude not a happy bunny at all for a change. But the biggest thing for me in this whole episode was Kartik's indecisiveness. It was just, he he really is a strange guy because on one side of him, he's unbelievably confident in himself, but has no confidence in his decision making. It's a really odd combination. I don't know what was driving that, but as a PM, you've got to be decisive. Even if you're wrong, just make the decision and then deal with the consequences. But he just got railroaded this week. So for the third week on the trot, Paul is sub-team leader. And uh, Francis and Sofian are the high-end team for Nebulous. Paul's getting really good at this winning by stealth thing. You know, just staying in the background, but being prominent enough. It's it's really quite a smart tactic, I think, at this stage. He's practically PM, but if it all goes Pete Tong, he's all right, because he wasn't actually PM. So as long as his bit goes okay, he's going to be fine. I think he's PM next week, actually. No, it's about time. That would make sense. He's not been PM since the first week, so... No, it would make sense for him to, to step it up. We'll see how that goes. Um, because on the face of it, his... his role as a sub-team leader he's done really well it certainly looked like he was pm next week i mean obviously we know dylan is the titans pm but we don't know who the nebulous one is i don't think anyone on the nebulous team really has party planning experience not that i'm aware of and you know it's it's kind of arty farty isn't it i suppose it's a performance so he would be a logical man and Francis chose to split up Paul and Sofiane to stop them fighting all of the damn time, which is the first logical move a nebulous PM has made in weeks. And the first of many good decisions from Francis, I think. She had a pretty stellar performance this week. She shot up the rankings purely by not sucking for once. And she's not been dreadful throughout the process. She's just been unfortunate, I think, in most cases. But no, I thought she really, really did a great job this week. I do get a bit sick of the self-congratulatory, oh, I'm really good at this. It's a bit annoying, but to to be fair to her, she's doing a good job. I was pleasantly surprised with how good a PM she was. I kind of think that it was more, oh, it's her time finally to be on a winning team. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
but no, she made some great decisions and she picked out what were some of the key problems with, with the whole team. So I think she was absolutely spot on to split those guys up. Um, I think she was also very wise to go with Sofiane and kind of ho- hold his hand a little bit. And I think she did a good job of it. He gets a bit carried away. So yeah, it was good. He does. He still gets distracted, but not as distracted purely because he has Francis glaring at him. Yeah, and reminding him that he's got to actually know stuff and drilling facts into him. It, it was a good move. So we played the Generation game last week. Can you remember all the low-end items? Oh, there was that amazing fishing rod pan. Yeah, <laughs> which Jessica nearly poked someone's eye out with. And Jessica nearly chose. It was a terrible product. That was awful. <laughs> it was an awful product. It was almost as bad as the bike buddies or whatever they called it. Crazy scooter shit. Um, there was the ones they chose. So there was the animal backpack. There was the sports board or whatever it was called that Dylan tried to flog. There was the paddle board that the other team did. Well, that that's the medium. The medium ones we'll come to. So the fish. Yep. Uh, the amazing towel robe, which was way overpriced. And what else was there? There was the one low-end item that both teams picked. Oh, there was the snorkel mask, which was a great product. Yeah, the creepy snorkel masks. Yeah, I was looking at those. They sell them in Decathlon. I was thinking about it because I'm not really an underwater kind of person and that looked like it might be all right. So, good product. I'm not sure I get the point of them, really. But I don't go snorkeling or anywhere near the sea, particularly, so. No. And Dylan seems to think that Nemo is a trout, when actually everyone knows he's a clownfish. He's a clownfish, absolutely. I've seen him. Been to the Great Barrier Reef. P. Sherman, Wallaby Way, Australia. Definitely not a trout. Completely different film he's thinking of. Finding Trout. I love how these podcasts are just now devolving into terrible Irish impressions. Yeah, pretty much. And the choices for the high-end teams are, in a sort of bullseye top prize fashion, a choice between a £16,000 jet ski or a £20,000 speedboat. Yeah. What, what's that for, Jim? I live, I live in Leicester, mate. That's no good. Can we not have a caravan? In one! Yeah, it was very bullseye. Uh, yeah, I, I honestly thought, seriously, people are just going to buy those things. Like, yeah, go on then. But that's what actually happened. The the miserable guy who ended up buying the boat, he was just like, yeah, all right then. What's 20 grand? I don't know. Different world, isn't it? I think it's like the supermarket selling task where they just have to have them on order. And I'm assuming there's some sort of finance deal there. He's not ju- going to just get 20 grand out of a cash machine. Yeah, because they mention that, don't they? No, they, they say it has to go through finance and, and get approved. But um, I, don't, I suppose it, it, they might have been researching it for six months and this is their opportunity to go and see it for real and therefore they've already decided they're going to buy it and they're after a show deal, I guess. It just it, it just seemed, it's, it seemed like someone just happened to be walking past and went, yeah, all right, then I'll buy a boat. Yeah, why not? And in this case, the local sellers also gave them a couple of contacts yeah they were fairly warm leads weren't they so they were probably uh, on the verge of buying 
And it's also not like the items weren't already on sale at the show on other days. We don't know whether it was the first day of the show. No, no. We know it wasn't the last day of the show because Alan mentioned that they went on. people went on to buy jet skis. Yeah, if it was second or third, then maybe people were scoping it out the day before and that's where the, the leads came from. Yeah, and they'd already decided and it was just a case of actually getting them to commit. And the MVP of this episode for me was, of course, Karen Brady's Kagool. I love that scene when uh, Francis is driving the boat and she goes a bit crazy and she's like, is Karen still there? <laughs> now, what a scene that would have been. I just love how miserable Karen looked. Yeah, she did not have a fun day, did she? Bless her. She was dressed up to the nines in all her waterproofs. Oh, dear me. She looked so, so pissed off. Yeah. It was like being on the back of that boat was literally the last place on earth she'd she'd wanted to be. And the fact that they then had to bring her onto your fire just to prove that she actually does get dolled up occasionally again. She probably insisted. That's not that's not going to be my only appearance tonight. I need to look normal, please. Please let me back in a warm studio. So with the mid-range items, including paddle boards and bodyboards and all the boards. All the boards. Jessica asks all the right questions, and both teams pick the battle boards, but Nebulous wins them, and the seller specifically asks for Jessica to be the one to flog them. Yeah, she did a great job, didn't she? She got a, a special trade, um, special sale price for the show. Good move. So, gold stick star to Jessica. And I know it's shocking, given my leanings towards Jessica winning, but she's my MVP this week. Uh, again, she had a good week. She does very, very well at these sales tasks. She's got a pretty good sales brain. She's just very personable. Mm, she, she is, actually, yeah. You'd, you'd want to buy from her if you could, I think. I know there are a lot of people on Twitter going, oh, I wouldn't buy from Jessica, but you would, because she's very convincing. Yeah, she's really nice. She's funny. She's pleasant. She's she's also quite assertive. She she would um, You'd struggle to say no if she was selling you something, I think. And I'm not just saying this because she liked one of my tweets earlier. I had that really, I'm going to go into this now. I was waiting to go into this, but I'm going to go into it. Uh, when I was live tweeting last night and when Titans lost, I tweeted something along the lines of, oh, just imagine this could be the point. It, if all goes well, we could lose Courtney, Dylan and Samuel all in one go. And the last thing I saw when I turned my phone off at about half 11 last night was Courtney having liked that tweet. I think I only tweeted about half a dozen things of the last episode. Two of them mentioned Courtney, not not his Twitter handle, just his name, and he liked them both, and neither of them were particularly complimentary. There is very little that I love more when live-tweeting a season of any TV programme than someone actually Googling or looking on Twitter for their own name, even when it doesn't include their handle. Because I've had this before. Coach Trip is my favourite one for this because in Coach Trip in the last series there was the awful, awful, awful group known as the Ballers. And when I was catching up with the episodes, I tweeted something along the lines of, oh, the Ballers, barf. And one of the Ballers actually quoted my tweet and put, ha 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 ha, winking smiley. Oh, dear me. Even though Jessica did it, as a general rule, I don't like people doing this. I think it is so sad if you are searching on Twitter for the hashtag of the programme and your own name. That's vanity, isn't it? That's really poor. In the case of Jessica, though, it was a very nice tweet about it. So she can like all the tweets she wants. And if she wants to follow me, she can do because I will be very complimentary about her. 
And Francis apparently has the strategy of just being herself. Yeah, just be yourself. Why not? Seems to work this week. Don't know what happened for the first six weeks, though. Well, she wasn't on the level of Purple Samuel. No, no, nothing like. No, even though she has been on the losing side for six weeks, it never felt like she was in any particular danger. She's always been okay. Has she been brought back? Don't recall seeing her in the boardroom. No, she's always been a, a reasonable performer in a, you know, just an unlucky position, I think. Talking of being in uh, an unlucky position, she is the one who has to deal with Safian all day. Yeah, not not jealous of that one. God, the guy doesn't get any better, does he? Let's be clear, next time Nebulous lose, or whichever team he is on, for the love of God, if he doesn't go, I'll be shocked. Yeah, he's got to go, because it's not even as if he kind of hides in the shadows or anything. He's just out and out bad at stuff. He's just awful. <laughs> yeah, on every level, I don't like the guy. He's not good at anything. He actively annoys people around him. He's just, he's got to go. He's just been very lucky so far. He will go, I'm sure. So, Kartik delegates the pricing to his team of his items... As he does every decision in this entire show, he it, it, it doesn't make a, any decisions himself except not to put Samuel on selling the high-ticket items. Pretty much everything else he just delegates out to all of them. It's it's weird. He's no leadership at all from him. And there's the really awkward moment when Francis asks for the jet ski where the seller asks whether she knows anything. <laughs> That's funny, isn't it? And can we have the jet skis? Silence. Nigel, Nigel, can we... Oh, we're not getting the jet skis, are we? Nigel, are you there? You're still there, mate. Have we got it? Can you tell me literally anything? Um, it was shiny. Bless him. And Gronya and Courtney focus on learning specifications of their machine rather than, you know, trying to sell it. Yeah, perfect time to start learning about the product is when you're supposed to be selling it. I would have thought they would have had a little bit of time to sort it. Well, yeah, like the night before, maybe. Well, that's what I was thinking. Surely they knew the night before what they were going to be selling. I know. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, nobody's going to spot that, especially not someone like Claude. You'll be fine. And Dylan decides to spruce up their marquee, which wastes more valuable time. But it did look pretty, to be fair. I've seen better marquees. Were they better marquees with fish cushions in? What is it about Titans having terrible, terrible product choice? I know. Yeah, this is the only time it's actually sort of bitten them, isn't it? You know, yeah, it's just rubbish. Rubbish. You might as well have had the bloody pen that's a fishing rod. In what world does anyone think that they are going to be able to sell any of those things? I did think Paul and Jessica were very good at getting straight to the good products. They they weeded them out pretty well. I mean, I know Jessica was having a bit of fun with the fishing pen, but Paul pretty much stamped that out, and then they got on with it. It was good. Do you think that had Jessica had the complete choice, she would have actually gone for those pens or not? No, I think she was just having fun. I think she was just playing around because they were a silly product. I think if she'd have had to make a choice, she'd have gone, yeah, these are really silly. That's why we're not going to try and sell them. We're not going anywhere near them, especially in a task where it's more about money than products. And Francis buys some drinks for her boat, which is nice just to spruce it up. 
and then tell Sofianov for putting them on display. What are they for then? Are you just going to hide them in the cupboard? Or are you just going to drink it later because you've got to spend the whole day with Sofian? Actually, yeah, that would make sense. And I know that my instincts on the edit has been a little bit wonky this series, mainly because the edit is a little bit wonky this series. But as soon as we see Samuel underselling again, it just makes me think, game over. Yes, 100%. What is it with this guy? Uh, just make a price up. I did have to argue at work as to why he deserved to get fired this week. It's not just because he was so under-edited that everyone forgot he was there. When he was there, he was either being a really, really bad PM or not doing what he was told to do. It was more the insolence than anything, I think. If you're going to work well in a team, you have to follow the hierarchy of the project management team. That's so clear that if you're PM your leader and if you don't follow your leader, then don't bother being in the process. So to disregard that is just stupid. In the same way that Hunter Rebecca got fired because she didn't step up, Samuel took the law into his own hands and paid the price for it. If he hadn't gone this week and Shugsy would have let him get away with being insolent to the project managers, not only would he have done it again, but also it sets a really bad precedent. It does. It, the whole the whole game falls apart if you don't have to do what your project manager told you to do because then when it gets to the end and you lose, where do you go from there? It's just anarchy, isn't it? It's crazy. You know, in the real world, it's okay to challenge decisions and do different things as long as the outcome works out. But in this in this game, that's the rule. The rule is the PM is the leader and you have to do what they tell you to do because that's how it plays out. So he's no one to blame but himself. I think they made some good points on your fire that he probably wasn't the worst candidate, but he was the candidate who was the worst at doing what you're supposed to do in this game. So Jessica decides to sell in her own inimitable style and tell a few little porky pies. I think we've said this before about Jessica. I think she is playing really, really well. I think she's very good at this. So when they do criticise her... It always feels like a bit, really? Are you really that bothered about it? Or do you just have to say something about something? Because I didn't see any harm in that. Who cares? It doesn't matter whether her children actually have the backpack or not. That kind of stuff happens all the time. Karen is being really snipey towards her. She is. Whether it's genuine or if it's just, they've got to say something. I don't know. I don't think they need to comment on it. That's the thing. Well, then, no, I don't think it's a big issue at all. It's it's not like she's lying about the product. It's not like she's telling her customers that it does something it doesn't do, or it's not like she's, you know, doubling the price or ripping them off or anything like that. She's just telling a story to get a sale, and that's what salesmanship's been around forever, you know? People do that. People tell a tale. They, they build a bit of uh, rapport with their customer, and they get a sale, and it worked. So... I don't know. And then everybody else jumps on the bandwagon and Paul's like, no, you must not lie. Oh, really? I don't see the problem. It just goes back to the fact that I think she is probably going to be very unopposed as a winner. Yeah, she's by far playing, to to coin a term from another show, she's playing the best social game, isn't she? She's really good at connecting with people. Well, she is, and she's in sales. That's what she does. Yeah, she builds good relationships with people and she gets a sale from it. So 
She has to tell a few porkies. Does it really matter? I don't think so. As I said, they're not relevant. The, the stories she's telling are about making connections. It doesn't matter. And they're all about her family members as well. So we're learning random facts about her dad in inverted commas. Her dad likes cigars. Her kids like backpacks. We know that so far. And Dylan actually sells for once, but his buyer ends up standing him up. So he gets nothing. Bless him. This is the first episode where I felt a bit of sympathy for Dylan because he did really try quite hard and he was doing all the right stuff. You know, he was he was having good conversations with people. He was, in his mind, closing the sale. You know, they got agreement. All right, it's not actually closed until you've counted the cash in your hand. But, you know, I think that's a bit unfortunate. She seemed genuine to me. I'd, I'd have been in the same boat. I'd, oh, pardon the pun. I'd have been stood around expecting her to come back. Uh, it didn't seem like she was fobbing him off. It seemed like it was a genuine sale. So, you know, a bit of um, bit of credit to Dylan this week. It was not his worst week. And I think if he'd have gone, I'd have been a little bit disappointed based on this performance. But he didn't deal with it in the best way. That's the difference. He he bitched and moaned and tried to steal one of Alana's sales. And that's not cool. No, and then just stood there pouting. Yeah, he did a bit of that. But, you know, that's in character, right? He should have done without doing that. He should have made the sale, really. Instead of standing there moaning and waiting for her to come back, go find two more people. <laughs> I thought you were going to say go and chase her down. Just follow her, follow, just follow her to the cash machine, stand behind her, get the cash out of her hand. <laughs> And how would you have sold the the changing cape, as I'm going to dub it? Well, I wouldn't have picked it because it's basically a 30 quid towel. And I've seen those for kids, um, and they're not 30 quid, then that's not, that's a reasonable product. But why? Why Why would you want it? It's stupid. It's a stupid idea. And, you know, wearing it on a cold day really isn't going to sell it anymore, is it? It's just bonkers and certainly you know if, if dylan did one thing right this week it was stopping kartik taking his trousers off let's be honest i love how we had the moment of old kartik there who wasn't pm just going i'm gonna take my trousers off yeah yeah he, he reverted to type and then because someone else said it was a bad idea obviously then he's gonna go with that and just claude's reaction to kartik doing this claude looked so bemused for want of a better word i think claude looks bemused is a theme for the season to be honest usual reaction from claude it's just that look that says yep it's kartik Mm -hmm." i do like that we have a situation where there's an episode of two great claude reactions one great karen reaction and one great sugary reaction yeah it's been it's, it's been a very reactive season so far and Sophie-Anne knows absolutely nothing about the boat. Nothing at all. Hasn't got a clue. But that doesn't stop him. It's not Sophie-Anne's worst performance, but that was when he was project manager, so... I don't get the guy. I really don't. Don't know how he's got... I don't know how he got on the show. Don't know how he's got this far. I'm over him, I think. The Barrow Boy stereotype of an apprentice candidate is never my favourite anyway. But... He's one of the worst examples of it. Yeah, he's not even a good barrow boy, is he? Sometimes they're not that likeable, but they are actually pretty good at selling and they've got a bit of gift of the gab. This guy hasn't got gift of the gab. He's got verbal diarrhea. He just talks rubbish. And Francis, for some reason, talks about sport canapes. 
she's a week early on the canapes, but still. I know, and, and even gets the opportunity to correct herself with the customer. Sorry, what? Canapé? Sorry? Yeah, yeah, it's got a canapé. Is that included in the price, or do I have to go down to Tesco's? Is it, is it free, free canapés for life? It's not the Amazing Race Canada. Free canapés for life! From Petro Canapé. Hashtag Petro Canapé. I'm still not sure where she's going to end up, because I... I don't think she's going to win. I don't think she's going to make it anywhere near the finale. But I also can't see her going out at the interviews unless she just gets the verbal diarrhea. Yeah, it could be. It could be. She just tells them how great she is, which has been a bit of a theme for her. But she's actually quite good. She can't win because she just keeps getting these clown-type edits. But um, she is good fun. Again, I'm warming to her. I didn't like her at first. But I, I kind of like her now, and, and she was really good this week. She was. She was a, a great PM. By default, she was one of the best PMs of the series. By result, she's probably one of the best PMs of all time. And Jessica just has the best chat-up lines. I can see you checking out my full-face snorkel. What size do you want, love? Pink and small. And Samuel bitches about not being high-end, but as Claude correctly points out, he didn't actually ask to go on the high-end team. He didn't, and what you don't do if you get put on the wrong team is sulk all day, and he sold bugger all in that team either, so can't really blame anyone but himself, can he? And despite Francis insisting to Sofiane that we weren't going to be talking over each other, they talk over each other anyway. Yeah, and in typical Sofiane style, he just talks rubbish right over the top of what Francis seems to be doing quite a good job, so he just has to talk all over it. And then everyone goes on a bit of a run, so Nebula's sell a boat, and Titans potentially sell five jet skis. I potentially would buy five jet skis. I potentially buy things all the time. And then Dylan offloads some of their stuff to the trade for cheap, cheap prices. Yeah, and then they try and offload loads of stuff and get, mm, I'll have one for me dog. <laughs> and the wind picks up just as the teams are closing up. Boy, does it. God, blimey. It looks horrible. That's just Paul. Paul's really nice. What a nice day I've been. It's lovely. I've never been to Paul. I'm just being very stereotypical because it's funny. No, it, it, it can be nice. It wasn't on this day. It was awful. You know what else is awful? Sugar's pun game. It is terrible this year. Oh, no. I think he's got a new writer. Definitely this year. Oh, God, he needs to fire them immediately. It was more coat and scarf than coat de zor. That was my favourite. Oh, it's just awful. <laughs> and Samuel makes Sugar look very confused. I, I like the way that Kartik kind of explains, well, it was like this. Samuel said, I can sell high-ticket items. And Alan's like, so you put him in charge of high-ticket items. Well, No. And that's what I didn't do, <laughs> because I thought he can sell sweets. Therefore, why would I get him to sell high-ticket items? Because when I'm raising my child, anything he wants, I don't give him. So if Samuel wants it, he doesn't get it. It's tough love. You want to you sell that item? That's the one thing you're not going to do, Samuel, because when I'm project manager, I don't do things like normal people. And he asked the question that everyone has been asking for seven weeks. Dylan, what did you do? Well, 
you told me to try and sell. So I tried to sell. I found the end of the rainbow. And there was no pot of gold. I got there and they said, we're just going to fetch the pot of gold for you now. And they never came back. Poor Dylan. Give him an arty task. That's what he needs. He needs something creative. That's what he's going to excel at. Don't worry. You know, planning a party, something like that. He'll be fabulous. Don't you worry. The only reason that I like Dylan still being in is so that we can do the terrible accents. And Samuel defends his insolence in the boardroom and, you know, nobody is convinced. No, he defends his insolence by basically trying to lie his way out of it and everybody says, nope. That's not what happened, Samuel. You did do that. My favourite thing is how he keeps arguing with Claude. I know! Like, that's going to work. No, that's not what happened, Claude. Mm, It is. It's a real shame that we wouldn't get to see Claude tear him a new arsehole in the the interviews. But I would imagine he would have been terrible. Oh, he would have been awful. (laughs) He's not got the bravado to get away with anything other than just being a bit rubbish at it. He's just a grade A idiot. Yeah, and I didn't get why on your fire they're all like, oh, yeah, you you should have stayed. Yeah, technically he wasn't the worst on the show, but he wasn't good. I would have solidly voted red. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, should have gone. Don't do as you're told. Get kicked out of the process. That's it. That's the rule. Simple. Well, the question is, was it the right decision? And hell yes, it was the right decision. And the most awkward moment goes to, was Kartik a good project manager? Crickets. And then Dylan's like, try not to be rude, but doesn't really work. He might not have been the best, but he was the worst. Poor Kartik. It all ended so badly for him. The best thing is uh, there was absolutely no discussion about Nebulous because it was blatantly obvious which team was going to win. Yeah, it was, as as has been the case many times this season, a bit hard to hide at that stage. Nebulous, we're not even going to ask anymore. Francis, you're a good project manager. Now go on your treat. And then we had the results. Nebulous sold a measly £2,580.68 of medium and low range materials, which is approximately 10 of the paddleboards. It's pretty good going. Two, two and a half grand in those conditions is pretty good, I would say. But Titans shoot ahead with a massive £188.90. Whoop, whoop. One thing I did forget to mention is I love that the medium choices came down to paddleboarding in someone's backyard canals, or do you like to be waterboarded? Do you like water sports? I knew that was going to come out at some point during the game. I smile whenever I hear the word paddleboard now. (laughs) And the problem is my voice is so bad today that I can't even do the Logan properly. Logan! There you go, I did it for you. So yeah, Titans obviously get a measly £188.90. And Nebulous's total, including their boats, is a huge £40,480.68. Which, I've not fact-checked this, but that is one of the highest one-task totals ever. Yeah, I know it wasn't the highest because that belongs to Helen's team from Series 7, who... I believe tops 100 grand in one episode. It was the emergency biscuit task where uh, Helen's team Venture sold 800,000 units. 
And the other team sold none. Wow. So we have had a bigger bloodbath. Yeah, we've had a bigger bloodbath, but never in a sales task. <laughs> never in a one day go out there and flog some stuff. Has anybody ever had a 40 grand advantage over the other team? Unbelievable. But yeah, £40,480. It's a very, very good sales task score. So congratulations, Nebula, you did it in style. Yeah, and uh, I am considering maybe calling you Nebula next week. No, I'm not. They're still Nebulous. All right, we'll give them one more week. If they can do, if they can pull it off twice in a trot, I'll give them their real name back. We've had seven weeks of calling them Nebulous. So we might as well keep doing it now. And this is, percentage-wise, the biggest sales task loss ever in Apprentice history. That is an enormous differential, isn't it? It really is. 99.53% loss. And the funny thing is, they didn't even need the boat sails. They'd still annihilated them. I know. And for their hard-earned efforts, Nebulous win a rowing lesson getting shouted at by James Cracknell. I know. What is it with the rewards? And the important fact that we learn is that the Bridge Cafe has shit coffee, apparently. Yeah, poor old Courtney. She's got to drink some shit coffee. But it's been a while, to be fair. And... Apparently, on the day of the results being revealed, the jet skis did actually sell quite a few. So maybe it was everyone being scared away. Yeah, yeah. There was there was a couple of moments where it was like, oh, it wasn't us, it was a bad product. Mm, actually, wrong. Also, jet skis are not a bad product. Jet skis are cool as all hell. Oh, yeah, they're awesome. And yeah, they they should have been able to sell some to those hot leads that they got. So, yeah. I'd love it if the hot leads then came back the day after and bought them anyway. They probably did, to be fair. That's probably where the sales went. That would be hilarious. Yeah, it's really weird. The day after you were there, this guy just turned up and bought five of them. Apparently some lunatic the day before had tried to put him off, but, you know, he still came back. And Alana got £42 of sales, Samuel got 78 Dylan got 46 which means that Karthik got about 23 Yeah. But that that wasn't his job. He was doing project management admin. There's a lot of admin to do when you're working on a stall. He was writing his life story down about where he, his son was conceived. He had much bigger fish cushions to fry. And Dylan talks about how great Samuel is. Well, to be fair, whenever I've seen him, it's been bloody great. To be fair, he is quite nice. Are you his spokesperson? As much as I don't particularly like how bitchy Karen Brady's been this series I like the fact that she's just being really sassy with people yeah I'll take it I'll I'll take her unfounded criticism if we get boardrooms like that Karthik says he had a bad day but Shugsy calls him a diabolical project manager and sadly I'm heartbroken to have to say this but he is fired you've been a diabolical project manager I didn't trust you to bring anybody back into this boardroom Karthik, you're fired. See you guys on the other side. Poor Karthik. He had to go. There was absolutely nothing that could have been done to save him this week. No, I'm I'm really heartbroken that he lost. But, you know, he was taken from us too soon, but he was a bright, bright star and he will go down in infamy in The Apprentice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know they don't do it, but if ever there was an Apprentice All-Stars, he would be a lock, wouldn't he? 
Oh, you just get all the awful, awful people. Yeah. Oh, what a great season you could make if you just picked all of the lunatics from every season and just put them all together and, oh, it'd be wonderful. I'm really not sure who would win. Because you'd get someone like Madwoman Joe back. You'd probably get Sarah Khan back because she'll do anything. I guess you'd probably have to have Katie Hopkins back. Uh, I've just gone off the idea. Sorry. Oh, you'd have to get Rafe and Michael Sophocles back. Both of whom are awesome. Yes. Yeah, Lorraine would have to come back. The Apprentice UK crazy all-stars. That's what I want to see. See, it's Children in Need night. They did. Comic Relief does The Apprentice. They should do Children in Need does The Mental Apprentice. Yeah, do it for charity. I was thinking that. Yeah, it would be great. The Apprentice losers, but only the mental ones. And as sub-team leader, Gronje gets the choice of who comes back. But unlike previous times when we've seen this happen, she doesn't have to pick herself. She can just nominate literally everyone else she hates on the team, which is Samuel, Dylan, and Alana. Yeah, uh, right choice, wrong choice. What do you think? Alana was the wrong choice, because it was blatantly obvious that Alana was never going to go anywhere. She should probably have picked Courtney, just so we could have had a triple firing then and got rid of four of them. Then we would have had single firings all the way to the finale, and it would have been glorious, and we would have had all the awful characters out. Well, apart from Sofian. He could be there forever, for all we know. But a very interesting fact. Alana has never lost a task and not been brought back. She's lost three tasks and been in the boardroom three times. No, she always seems to cop the flag, doesn't she? But I've never really felt like she was going to go. No, no. I still think she's going to lose at the end, but I think she's probably a finalist. Because she has the growth arc of the self-confidence thing. Yeah, yeah. And Samuel has the self-control of an Italian government. Which actually was a good line. I'll give Shugsy that. It was a good line. Yeah, it was very good. And Alana has a lot to offer. Samuel disagrees with Claude, which is a terrible idea. And Dylan is nice, but no one has anything good to say about Samuel. And one thing that I keep forgetting to mention is I love how when Shugsy says, right, I don't want to hear anything else, we always have people going, can I just tell you something? No, fuck off. Yeah, I've already said, shut up, that's it. I've heard enough. I've made my choice. But everyone did it this week. I guess if you're in that position, you you don't care. Do you just got to try and say one more thing if you can. And Alana is saved. Dylan creates money from air. And there is no smoke without Samuel being finally fired. Right choice? A hundred percent, yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely had to go with Kartik. Definitely had to go with Samuel. Would have been unfair to take anyone else out, I think. Mm. Yeah, you may, you're, you're thinking maybe Dylan could have gone. I think that two firings is kind of weak for the biggest bloodbath in Apprentice history. And I want to see Courtney, Dylan and Samuel go out of that boardroom. Yeah, I, I can handle Dylan for a couple more weeks. I'm, I'm warming to him a little bit. So next time, teams take over London Landmarks, which looks like the Sea Life Centre and the and Madame Two Swords. And Dylan sings, Paul shoots, but whose party will be over? Yeah, who do you think? Who's going next week? I think Dylan. We were kind of set up for a two-episode arc here. My guess is he messes it up by bossing people around too much, losers, and it all comes back on him. Yeah, we still have one more double firing as well, at some point. So it might be Courtney Dillon. I can't see Nebulous losing next week. 
No, it would seem unlikely. I don't see Courtney going yet. Courtney has the edit of an interview loser, I think, but I'm not sure I can put up with him for that long. Yeah, but I don't think he's done anything catastrophic enough to get fired yet. Yeah. Shuxi hasn't seen anything of him, though. That's the thing. Who do you think is going then? Dylan would seem likely based on this week. I'd love to see Sofian go, but like you said, it's probably not going to pan out that way. Here's the way I see it happening. I think Dylan's going next week. Then there's a team swap. Then Sofian probably goes, maybe with Courtney. Then we have one more boot, which would probably be... Might even be someone like Gronya. I can't see Gronya making the interviews. No. A Gronya or Trishna. Yeah. There's still characters who are a bit under the radar to be going yet for me. The thing is, we can't go into the interviews with the final six because it just doesn't work. We can't really go into the interviews coming off a double firing because that doesn't really work, which means one of the next two weeks has got to be a double firing. And I can't see being next week. So I think single firing next week, double firing the week after, single firing the week after that, and then the interview's bloodbath. Yeah, I think you're probably right. So Dylan's go next week then. I think so. And one point that I would like to mention, I think I correctly predicted the elimination in last week's podcast. I believe I said that it would be Karthik and Samuel both going. I believe you did. Well done you. Just patting myself on the back as always. I don't get my predictions right very often in The Apprentice, so got to take my victories where they come. So is there anything else to say about this episode before my voice goes? Mine too. Um, no, no, I'm definitely getting into this series now. Um, shame to see Kartik go. Not a shame to see Samuel go. Let's see what happens with the party next week. So thank you for listening to this View from the Black Cab podcast. You can join us next week to recap the eighth episode of the series. Only four more after next week. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, our own Twitter pages, MJ Hamston for me, Bulls Boy for Anthony. See you next week. Thanks for the opportunity. Give me a laptop, I'll make you a billion dollar company. But ask me to you know, put the prize on a robe. What? So my name is on the board. Your name is definitely on the board as running one of the most unsuccessful tasks that we've had.